0: And welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you have joined us. Well, it looks as though Democrats will take control of the U.S. Senate after yesterday's runoff elections in Georgia. Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, as of right now, appear to be in position to win Those runoff elections, and that would mean that Democrats would have 50 votes in the U.S. Senate along with the Republicans who would have 50 votes, and Vice President Kamala Harris would be the tiebreaker, which would mean that the Democrats would be in control. I want to say something, though, about these wins, these apparent wins in Georgia, though, that's really interesting and important. Raphael Warnock is a black man. John Ossoff is a Jewish man. The idea that two people with those demographic backgrounds could even be close to winning a statewide election in a state like Georgia speaks to the enormous progress that we have made uh, in this country over the last 40 or 50 years. No one who was alive in the 1960s or the 1970s even would ever have predicted that this would be possible. And there's also a really interesting personal connection for these two men. Raphael Warnock buried John Lewis, the long-serving congressman from Georgia, when he died recently uh, in that, uh, the church in Atlanta that was also helmed by Martin Luther King in the 1960s. And John Ossoff was an intern for John Lewis, who is, of course, himself, such a big civil rights icon. Sometimes in this country, the pain and struggle of our history circles back around to deliver us delight, just absolute delight. So the question now is, what are Republicans going to do in response to this? This is just the latest blow for the GOP. They have already lost the White House, and, of course, they do not control the House of Representatives in Washington. And a lot of members of the GOP continue to throw tantrums over some of those losses. Today, some Republicans in Congress are saying they are going to try to block certification of President-elect Joe Biden's win, something they actually do not have the authority or ability to do, but it is a gesture toward the idea that they object to Biden's win and don't believe that it was legitimate. This all, of course, puts Republicans at a crossroads politically. What are they going to do? What are they going to become? Is this still the party of Donald Trump? Or is it a party that is in search of a new path to relevance with a growing segment of the American public. We want to spend all hour today talking about that. We want to talk about the state of Republican politics here in Michigan and the future of the GOP nationally after Trump's presidency. Later in the hour, we're going to talk with two GOP women who have been in and around Michigan politics for many, many years. But first, I want to welcome someone who knows more than just about anyone does, about modern Michigan politics. Zach Gorchow is executive editor and publisher of the Gongwer News Service in Lansing. Zach, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Thanks very much for that kind introduction, Stephen, and it's great to be with you. Yeah.
0: So these Georgia runoffs have big implications for Michigan. Assuming that both Democrats in Georgia win those Senate seats, it would give the majority to the Democrats which would also mean that our two Democratic senators would chair powerful committees uh, in, in in Congress. Talk about what would happen for Senator Gary Peters and Senator Debbie Stabenow if what we are looking at now holds to, to be the final outcome.
1: Well, Senator Stabenow is going to chair the Agriculture Committee again, which is a huge uh, position. She had it. Uh, Just the last time the Democrats controlled the Senate prior to the 2014 elections, and uh, it'll be a huge uh, boost for for Michigan agriculture to have uh, chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee. And uh, Senator Peters is going to chair the Homeland Security Committee, uh, which is a very high-profile committee. Um, And it's you know it's been it's been tough for him the past two years being a first-term senator in the minority, who's not given to a lot of uh, flash and dash, uh, but I think he's naturally going to become a lot more visible now uh, chairing a committee like this. So it's, uh, I mean, it's significant in many ways, and it's its certainly very significant uh, for Michigan and that these, uh, you know, the two senators who represent the state are going to have very important positions now.
0: Uh, and let's talk about uh, the GOP here in Michigan and how it reacts to this. Uh, Gary Peters, of course, was on the ballot last November. John James, a very popular Republican, in fact, uh, ran against him, came up short. Uh, where does this leave Republican politics in our state? Here, they do control the legislature, both houses of the legislature, but they no longer control the governor's mansion. They no longer control our Supreme Court, and with redistricting on tap this year, without a partisan bias, without a partisan edge, it's very likely uh, that they could lose that advantage. Who and what leads the Republican Party at this point in Michigan?
1: Well, I I think that it's definitely a time of transition for Michigan Republicans. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't have one of the big statewide offices, uh, which, you know, this is, that was a result of the 2018 elections. It's the first time that's been the case since the 1980s. Um, so you, your sort of natural gravitation would be to the Republican state legislative leaders, which would be the Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey and the incoming House Speaker Jason Wentworth. Um, and I guess by default that's probably Mike Shirkey because he's got two years under his belt. But, you know, th- those are not household names to say the least. And the person who is a household name, who probably would have had the best natural position to give uh, Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer a serious reelection challenge in 2022, uh, that being Candace Miller, who's currently the Macomb County Public Works Office commissioner, former member of Congress, former Secretary of State, uh, decided she is not going to run for governor, despite many Republicans asking her to do so. And so I think it's it's really a time of casting about, and you're seeing that play out even internally, where it appears there is going to be a very intense, uh, hard-fought race for Michigan Republican Party chair that is, is really going to pit a lot of the party's uh, factions and, and, and cliques uh, against each other. So it's, uh, it's a difficult time right now. I don't think there's any question.
0: Hmm. So So one of the fault lines... Uh, in the Michigan GOP, of course, is the same as the national fault line, which is you are either part of uh, the the, the Trump parade and and in with the brand of politics he brought to the party and then to the White House, or you are uh, someone who who thinks that did real damage to the Republican Party and maybe uh, to America more broadly. Just among the congressional delegation... Uh, from Michigan. I, I, th- that, that fault line seems very clear and kind of insurmountable. Uh, Lisa McLean, who is a new member of Congress from the 10th Congressional District, is an example of somebody who just has absolutely doubled down on loyalty to President Trump, on the idea of going to any extreme, really, uh, to support him. She says she may be one of the people who objects uh, to the idea of uh, certifying the, the the vote for Joe Biden in in Washington. Meanwhile, you have Fred Upton, a very long-serving member of the delegation, also a Republican, uh, who has been pretty appalled by things that the president has done and said, and by the behavior of other members of the delegation in supporting the really baseless attacks on the election. So so. Uh, talk through that cleave and how that gets bridged in just two years, really, because uh, we will have a governor's race. Uh, the uh, the Senate and the House here will be up for election. W- what's the starting point for the conversation about where the party goes? Well,
1: there is so much time until 2022. And I have to say, I am very uncertain what the climate will be like you know usually you would say a midterm election with a democratic president in the white house or a republican president for the white house whoever the president the president's party would do poorly in the midterm election regardless yes. of party that's really been an ironclad rule uh in michigan and in any state with any semblance of competitiveness nationally for many many years um but you know Georgia. We're in a new era, uh, and Georgia, I think, underscores that. I mean, in the past, if and we saw this in '92 after Bill Clinton won the presidency, the incumbent Democratic senator from the state of Georgia swiftly lost the runoff to the Republican uh, because Democrats were no longer as motivated to vote. They had won everything, and the Republicans were very motivated to vote. Mm-hmm. They had lost everything, uh, and. You know, going into, you know, after the November election this year when President Trump lost uh, and Joe Biden won, if you looked at sort of old dynamic, you'd have thought, oh, well, you know, both those Senate seats, they're going to stay Republican. Uh, But, you know, there's this new dynamic now where so a significant chunk of the Republican vote seems very tied to the presence of Donald Trump actually being on the ballot um, there are a lot of factors that went into yesterday, but I do think that is one of them because we saw this in 2018 where a, a lot of the less, the voters who are less likely to vote in conservative areas came out, did not come out to vote for Donald Trump like they did in 2016, and it cost Republicans uh, dearly, especially in this state. And that appears to have played a bit of a role yesterday, that, that the Democratic turnout was far better than the Republican turnout. And uh, that, you know, that's a a factor. So what does that mean for 2022? With Donald Trump not on the ballot, do his voters who only showed up in 2016 and 2020 stay home? How does that scramble the equation of what would be typically considered to be a good environment for the Republicans with a Democrat In the in the White House, I don't know. And then the other weird thing: we have got a Democrat running for governor Mm -hmm. for re-election. This is going to be the first time since 1962 that there's been a Democratic president in the White House with a Democratic governor running for re-election. And that was back when we had a two-year term for governor, so Mm -hmm. it's it has no real barrier. You know, it hasn't happened in modern Michigan politics. We haven't had this dynamic, Uh, so it's a lot of uncertainty. And so I mention all of that because where do, do the Republicans go from here in Michigan? Right now, we don't know. They're casting about for a new leader uh, to, who, can, who can lead the party. And right now, it doesn't look very good for the Republicans after what happened in Georgia yesterday. But the pendulum is always swinging. We don't know, what, you know what's going to happen between now and 2022. I mean, if you had said, you know... Uh, Fourteen months ago, at this time, would you know, no one would have thought the pandemic was coming. Um, you know, things, something like that to scramble the political equation. So, you know, things things could change dramatically, of course, um, and and the Republicans could galvanize themselves, and, and maybe Democrats become uh, disappointed with whatever's going on with, in Washington. They don't feel like you know. The, the party is you know, delivering for them. I, you know, we don't know. Or maybe things go great for the Democrats there. And as we saw in Georgia yesterday, they are so motivated to uh, defeat the Republicans after everything that happened in the past two years that they're just as motivated to come out and vote again. I, It's a lot of uncertainty. Mm.
0: Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Zach Gorchow. He's the executive editor and publisher of Gongra News Service in Lansing. We're talking about the future of the GOP here in Michigan. Uh, It's a subject that we're talking about all hour, what the future of the GOP will look like nationally and locally after the runoff elections in Georgia yesterday, which appear to be headed toward two victories for Democrats in those two Senate races, and also then Democratic control of the U.S. Senate Uh, as Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States in just two weeks. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you make of the current state of the Republican Party here in Michigan and across the country. Do you think the GOP will end up gaining more power coming out of all of this political chaos by reorganizing and finding new leadership? Or do you think the party is really broken and starting to collapse under the weight of Trumpism? We especially want to hear from you if you consider yourself... A Republican or a conservative or if you voted mostly for Republicans in the past how are you feeling about the GOP in 2021 is it a party that represents you and what would it have to do to represent your interests as always the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019 that's 313-577-1019 you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, I also want to make a note that tomorrow on the program, we're going to spend much of the hour talking about what's happened in Georgia or what has apparently happened in Georgia. Uh, I made a few remarks at the beginning of the show today about how monumental this is, not just from a political perspective, but from a cultural and a historical perspective. Perspective. We're going to spend some time talking about what brought about this kind of change in a state like Georgia, and whether there are other states in the Deep South uh, that are poised to try to make this kind of change for uh, themselves. That should be a really interesting set of conversations uh, as well. But uh, but again, join us on the phones here today to talk about the GOP and the aftermath of all of this. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Go to Facebook or Twitter. Put comments there. We'll try to include you that way. Scotty on Twitter says, uh, when you don't issue a platform at your national convention, what do you stand for? People want more from their government than, quote, less government. And the Republican-endorsed clown show over the past four years. Ed on Twitter says, I welcome Michael Flynn to start, quote, the People's Party and fracture the Trump loyalists from the GOP. Somebody who wants to see this extremist wing of the GOP, maybe fracture off and go do their own thing and maybe leave the rest of the party uh, to something else. Uh, Zach, before we get to more listener comments, uh, I want to ask you about Macomb County Public Works Commissioner Candace Miller, who I have long thought uh, quite a bit of and thought that the future of the GOP might align very closely around someone like a Candace Miller who has uh, you know, been in public life for quite some time, served in a number of different roles, and represents uh, many of the things that I think old line conservatives would say uh, were, were the spine of the Republican Party. She has said she will not run for governor in two years. Uh, it's not a monumental, uh, blow necessarily to to the Republican chances. But certainly if she were to do that, she would be an incredibly formidable uh, a, a candidate, uh, both in the primaries, I think, and, uh, and in the general election. So where does that leave this question of challenging Governor Whitmer in two years if someone like Candace Miller is not willing to do it does that, does that say something significant at this point about Republican chances?
1: Well, you know, Candace Miller has been um, hoped for by Republicans to run for governor so many times. And it just, it just seems to me, to be clear to me, she does not aspire to be governor. I, I don't know that it really speaks to anything greater about the Republican Party. Um, you know, I think she likes her current job. Um, I don't think she's... It appears she's not terribly interested in having to spend the next two years, you know, campaigning all across the state, uh, doing what it would take to to win the governorship. Whereas she can, you know, she could have this job as the Macomb County Public Works Commissioner uh, as long as she wants, and uh, she gets to live close to home, enjoy the work, um, and uh, really, you know, mostly do non-political nonpartisan work in what she's doing, gets to focus on the great. So I, I don't think it says anything bigger about the Republican Party. This isn't the first time she's turned down the idea of, of running for governor. Um, but, you know, again, they are at a crossroads. You know, who is the new leadership of the Michigan Republican Party? Who steps forward? You know, you've got sort of the new generation, people like Lisa mcclain you mentioned the new, new congresswoman from... Uh, who represents uh, northern Macomb County and the Thumb area. Uh, you've got uh, Peter Meyer, new, new congressman from the Grand Rapids area, and they're both you know, very different strains of Republicanism. Uh, Peter Meyer ran a very un-Trumpian campaign. Lisa Meyer, I'm sorry, Lisa McClain, has aligned herself very much with Donald Trump. Um, so you know, th- those are two different, threads there we 're going to have, you mentioned we 're going to have redistricting coming up uh, that 's going to leave at one or more members of Congress in Michigan drawn out of a district because we 're going to lose a congressional seat uh, does that prompt a mem- you know maybe a Republican member of Congress who 's drawn out of a district to think about running for governor um, you know that's that 's something to watch and then of course there 's the uh, possibility of some outsider type, uh, someone who has some wealth, uh, maybe from a business background, uh, who potentially emerges from nowhere. Um, you know, there's you know, there's really a lot of div- you know uh, t- very different factions within the Michigan Republican Party. There's sort of the, tr- the traditional Chamber of Commerce conservative. You know, they're conservative on social issues too, but tend to focus more on the economics. And then there's this kind of new wave, the, mm. the Trump. Voter that tends to be more um, populist, much more aligned with social and sort of gut level issues. Um, and those, you know, th- there's going to be a push and pull there about who leads the party forward. You now, in terms of the statewide races, generally, uh, you know, that more of that Trump component hasn't been as successful when there's been, you know, head to head challenge, but it's never really been fully realized. We haven't had a full-on battle. I mean, the closest thing was what happened with the Bill Schutte, Brian Kelly primary for governor last time. You know, Schutte aligned himself very closely with Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Brian Kelly wasn't so much that he distanced himself from Trump, but he was aligned with Rick Snyder, who of course represents a different type of Republican, and Bill Schutte won going away.
0: Mm. Okay, Zach Gorchow, executive editor and publisher of Gongwer News Service in Lansing. It's always great to have you here on the show. Well, thanks, thanks for so having me. so much for being with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with two Republican women about what they think the future of the GOP looks like. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number on those phones. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and we'll try to include you in the show that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community.
2: Every day on 1019 WDET.
1: Detroit's NPR station.
0: to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about the future of the Republican Party, both here in Michigan and nationally, as we continue to watch votes being counted in Georgia, where two Senate races, uh, Senate runoff races that were held yesterday, will determine the balance of power in the US Senate. Right now, it looks as though the Democratic candidates in both of those races will win, and Democrats will have control uh, of the chamber. Uh, One race has been called, the other is uh, still Uh, really close, and I suppose it could go back to uh, Republican control. Uh, But uh, John Ossoff, who is the Democratic candidate in that race, is now talking as though that race is over and that he will be uh, the second U.S. senator from uh, the state of Georgia. We're talking about what happens next for the Republican Party, which has now lost the White House with Donald Trump as a candidate and probably uh, the U.S. Senate. Uh, Does it still remain the party of Donald Trump? Or does it find a new path? Does it find new leaders to coalesce around and new messages to give to the American people? We want to hear from you this hour as well. What do you think of the future of the Republican Party, both locally here in Michigan and nationally? Do you think the GOP will end up gaining more power in the future? by reorganizing itself and coming back? Or do you think that this is more of a fundamental problem and a real question about whether there is a future for the GOP? Uh, we especially want to hear from you if you consider yourself a Republican or a conservative and have voted for Republican candidates uh, frequently uh, in your lifetime. What is it that you want the party to represent? What is it that you want the party to do now That uh, President Trump will no longer be president, and uh, Democrats will likely have control of both houses of Congress and the White House in just two weeks. As always, the number here on the phones is 313 577 1019. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to include you in the show that way. And I want to introduce and welcome two other voices, two really interesting voices to the conversation now. Sarah Hubbard is a principal and partner at Acuitas, which is a government relations and PR firm. She is also a newly elected Republican member of the University of Michigan's Board of Regents. Sarah, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: Yes. And also with us is Andrea Bightley. She is Senior Director of Strategy and Client Services for the Truscott-Rossman PR firm. She was Director of Communications and Government Affairs for former Michigan Attorney General Bill Schuette. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. So I want to start here with both of you reacting to what appear to be the results in uh, these Georgia Senate Senate runoff races. Uh, Sarah, uh, what's going through your mind today?
3: Well, this uh, if these results hold and the uh, Democrats do pick up both of those seats and flip the U S Senate, I mean, we're going to see a very different kind of federal government without question uh, with uh, you know, Democrats running the table at the president uh, house and Senate. Uh, we'll see a different agenda. I think it will see a different, um, different, different kind of attitude of um, much of the nation and the media as well. Um, but that's not just going to put the Trump and, uh, operation and his supporters in the back rearview mirror. I think that they're still going to have a voice. They're still going to be very active out there in the public eye and social media and uh, mainstream media. And I think that we'll still be hearing from them. Um, it will potentially become even more divisive, I think, because of that situation. There won't be a need for bipartisanship to the same extent if one party controls every branch of the federal government. And, you know, we've seen that at the state level, we've seen it at the federal level before. Um, that's what that means is those who have been calling for bipartisanship for the last four years are going to get even less of it now.
0: Mm. so so uh, place yourself in this sort of ideological struggle between those who are loyal to the president, the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, and the things that he said and done and of course, his behavior since the election, which uh, has been to sort of attack the uh, results as a way of trying to, to overturn them. And uh, Republicans who are, have not com- been comfortable with a lot of the things that he said and done and certainly over the last uh, two months have, have been appalled by, by, by the behavior. From your perspective, uh, which is the, the better future of the GOP?
3: Well, I don't understand um, some of the attacks and his behavior over the last few months. So I don't I don't think that that is uh, the way that uh, anyone wants to go forward, in my opinion, or should want to go forward. Um, however, I think if not for covid, the, uh, you would have seen a very different result of this election um, for President Trump. I think you would have seen him reelected pretty handily. So uh, there's a you know, big um, just a huge piece of the electorate out there that still supports him, um you know sure he lost but he didn't lose by a lot and he he has a very significant following um i'm hopeful that we can get to a spot that has a bit more um you know honest and meaningful discourse out there in the public but that being said i think there were some policies from the trump administration that republicans more broadly did really like even if they weren't uh, especially fond of his Um, rhetoric and some of his, you know, public appearances and what he's been doing over the last few months. Mm. You look at his tax package and tax cuts and things like that, that were um, positives for Republicans. So I don't think it's going away. That's probably the short answer, Mm. Uh, but he certainly won't have the same kind of bully pulpit uh, after January 20th that he has now.
0: Mm. Uh, Andrea, I'm curious what what all of this looks like to you uh, today.
2: Well I think conservatives and Republicans need to remember um, our our history um, of, of our party and our small government mindset um, and give Trump credit where credit is due I mean he he did do things that many conservatives support. Um, the judicial nominations that he's made over the last four years um, will shape the court for generations to come uh, with conservative, uh, judges. So that's one thing I will say I'm I'm happy with the Trump years over. Um, but I, um, I am ready to move on, Stephen. Um, and I think there's a lot of, uh, especially younger Republicans that are thinking to themselves, the party that um, we thought we were entering when we were younger is not the party we're faced with today. Um, right now, we're looking at such a divided country and such a divided party that's just full of infighting um, and politics 101 you know the party that is divided is the one that loses we saw that with democrats um, over the past decade significantly and now it's us and we have to look do some internal reflection on that mm.
0: um i want to read a, a quote to, to both of you from now former congressman justin amash he tweeted this last night he says what if Republicans gained from Trump and Trumpism? We're witnessing the collapse of a political party. So I think that's a really interesting assessment, and I think it's a really important question right now. As someone who is not a, 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 I identify, I don't identify as a Republican. I don't identify as a conservative. I have been really troubled by the willingness of people I know of principle and good character to support Donald Trump because of uh, discreet policy uh, issues that he might uh, support. So for instance, tax cuts or uh, appointments of judges, conservative judges uh, to the bench, and not to call out or to prioritize the really awful things that he's said and done. I mean, the immigration policy that he has pursued, uh, his welcoming of white supremacist interests uh, into the national dialogue, his his ideas that uh, that somehow uh, black civil rights activists are are, are the equivalent of of, of terrorists. Uh, that's bothered me, and I think that's bothered a lot of Republicans as well. And I'd like to hear both of you address that. This is not an uncommon problem in politics, right? Uh, not, not every politician has the complete loyalty uh, of the people who, who, who vote for them. But, but here I feel like the choice was so deeply moral and it was so deeply about who we are as Americans that I was surprised. By some of the people who were willing to support this, even though it was so clearly so clearly wrong. Uh, andrea, can you can you speak to that?
2: Absolutely. This wasn't the normal, you know, multiple choice test that we get. This was a, in some ways battle of good versus evil. Um, i I will admit, Stephen, on air, that um I did not vote for Trump. Um, I did vote for Biden. Um, because i and i know many others um, who are more moderate republicans just couldn't couldn't do it uh, we couldn't walk into that ballot booth and say party over country we went for country over party
0: mm-hmm. and and when you did that um what was it with the idea that you that that, that the party would would go in a different direction, that, that, that you were sending a message that, hey, uh, I, I would like for us to be about something else.
2: It was. Um, you know, if if it had been a, a Jeb Bush or a Mitt Romney on that ballot, um, I would have wholeheartedly voted for the Republican candidate. Hmm. Um, but after four years of, of seeing the sitting president attack um republicans that i have incredible respect for i mean john mccain is somebody that i've always admired Mm -hmm. and seeing the attacks on him um and then watching the arizona senate seats flip to the democrats um i mean that was barry goldwater and john mccain's home turf and now they're gone Mm -hmm. and i don't know if we'll ever get them back i mean cinema and um we have a new astronaut in in the Senate, which is pretty amazing. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get those seats back.
0: Wow, uh, uh, Sarah, um, I, I would love to have you talk about this this challenge to Republicans to 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 say something, to stand up against the things, the awful things that this president said and did, and the allure of the policy preferences that he had for taxes and for judges and, and for things like that. How, how do you sort through all of that?
3: Yeah, I do think a lot of um, particularly more prominent Republicans were afraid to do that. Um, and you've seen more recently many of them coming out now that they know there is no retribution, you know, at least directly from the president that likely can take place. But I'll tell you what I hear from kind of the rank and file elected Republicans out there is that they are still very much hearing from these Trump supporters in their district. And these are constituents who vote and in many cases are donors and that these these folks are still out there demanding that they do something about the election. And uh, I, I've seen no evidence of fraud. I'm not sure what they're talking about, but they're still a very, very. Large group of people in the state, let alone in the country, that are still clamoring for their elected representatives to do something, and I think that is what is really driving this—at um, least at the elected official level—this uh, reluctance to speak out on those issues that you you mentioned, even still. And we saw that, you know, even still, there are a few members of the Michigan congressional delegation expected to vote against. Uh, the nomination of certification, I guess, of Joe Biden today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw, you know, a group of Republican legislators from the Michigan Senate send a letter also calling uh, on that same result Um, there for um, better or for worse. There are still a lot of voters in the state who are not ready to concede and aren't viewing it that way. I mean, I'm not in that camp. I mean, I have a lot of concerns about many of those things that were discussed during the campaign and over the last four years. But uh, there's no question they're out there. And I think that's what's limiting people's ability or willingness, I guess, to get out there and, you know, really denounce him.
0: I I I want to read another tweet. This is a tweet from the Arizona Republican Party. Uh, Andrea, you were talking about Arizona and what's changed there uh, since uh, uh, Donald Trump became president. But the Republican Party there sent out a tweet on New Year's Day that said, "Quote: As the sun sets on 2020, remember that we're never going back to the party of Romney, Flake, and McCain. The Republican Party is now and will forever be one for the working man and woman." Uh, God bless, uh, uh, Sarah. You know, when when you're sort of talking about the the, the future and and how you sort of uh, figure out where everybody fits, that's a very that's a very bold statement. Not <laughs> yeah. from from a person. That's from that's from the party. Uh, in in Arizona, I mean, the extent to which people I think believe that the president and his approach to this has Fundamentally changed the party's outlook, I think, is one of the one of the one of the big problems. It's not just about individuals. I mean, it's it's the institution that that uh, is caught in the middle of, of this argument.
3: Well, asserting that anything has changed forever is a very bold statement. (laughs) So, you know, I'm very skeptical of those kinds. Right. Who are they
0: to say what's forever, right?
3: (laughs) I mean, I do have a crystal ball in my office that I sometimes use for my election, you know, speeches and such. But, um, you know, I just have a real rejection of that kind of thinking. Um, While I do think uh, there is something to be said right now that the Republican Party has become, of great interest to the working man. As we say, you know, we certainly are seeing a lot of uh, blue collar union members voting Republican that were embracing Trump, that kind of thing. Yes, uh, there has definitely been a transition in that regard between between the two parties, I think, in, in modern times. Uh, will that happen forever? I don't know. People's minds change. Districts change. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really, I'm kind of a contrarian when it comes to those kinds <laughs> of statements. I think that People are very forgiving. We see it over and over in politics, both locally and uh, nationally, you know, that that something, you know, a politician did 10 years ago is often forgotten and forgiven. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't really <laughs> buy into that, that it's a forever thing. But I do agree that there has been a considerable change in who, what party attracts what voter over you know, the last, say, 10 years or so. Sure. And we saw that, too, in the strategy of uh, Democrats, I think, in this this race this in last year, which is that their approach to try and engage more rural voters and doing more with mail-in voting. Uh, when I was first brought up in campaign management school back in the early 90s, uh, Republicans felt like they owned absentee voting. And that was where senior citizens voted. And Republicans could count on the senior citizen vote without question, and it was a huge part of every good campaign, was to work the AVs. Yet then we saw last year the president rejecting, quote, mail-in voting mm-hmm. uh, early on until he embraced it later. And <laughs> uh, I'd never really understood that. But it, part of it, I think, is that change in targeting and who they see is which, which party sees as their voters now and that's definitely changed yeah
0: okay we're going to take another quick break when we come back we're going to continue this really wonderful conversation with sarah hubbard and andrea Bightley. we'll also get to more of your comments brian in detroit mark and redford we'll hear from you next as well if you want to join them 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones we'll be right back with more detroit today Detroit Today on 1019 WDTM. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. My guests are Sarah Hubbard, a principal and partner at Acuitas, which is a government relations and PR firm. She's also a newly re- elected Republican member of the University of Michigan Board of Regents. Also with us is Andrea Beitley, she's Senior Director of Strategy and Client Services for the Truscott-Rossman PR firm. She was also Director of Communications and Government Affairs for former former Michigan Attorney General uh, Bill Schuette. We're talking about the future of the GOP uh, now that President Trump is set to exit office, and it looks as though Democrats will also flip control of the U.S. Senate. Where does the GOP go from here? Uh, Do they stick to Trumpism? Do they coalesce around that? message and try again, or do they try to go in a different direction? We especially want to hear from you if you are someone who identifies as a Republican or a conservative and votes for Republicans. uh, What do you think the party strategy ought to look like? What do you, what would appeal to you? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and we'll include you in the conversation that way uh let's talk to first brian in detroit brian what's on your How mind you doing?
1: hey i wanted to get a comment from the women about uh, the statement of michael flynn talking about breaking up the republican party and actually creating a separate party
0: hmm. yeah uh, uh we had a, a tweet earlier about that as well brian i'm glad you you re-raised the issue uh, of course michael flynn would like to split the party and create uh, basically a Trump party, uh, an extreme uh, right wing party that that is, uh, I guess, organized around the last four years. But but what about this idea of whether it becomes more than one party? That's something that's happened in uh, in the past or. Uh, that, that significant portions of the party migrate to to, to something else. Uh, Sarah, what do you think of that idea? How how realistic is that uh, at this point?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've seen this kind of thing before to some extent, right? We've seen it when the Christian coalition, we've seen it with the Tea Party, we've seen it now more recently with the Trump supporters. Uh, we've heard this kind of come out before and it's never really come to fruition as I think that the part that would like to break off doesn't have the organization needed to really make a go of it. It's not easy to just become a recognized political party in this country. There are a lot of steps. Um, For instance, if let's say somebody wanted to create the Trump party um, and then be on the ballot as a Trump candidate and, you know, run people for office as such, it takes a long time to become legitimate and to actually have a official role in our election process. So I think that when those groups start talking that way, they ultimately find out that it's not as easy as they'd hoped and they can't just have a couple meetings in somebody's basement and suddenly become a new party. And so then there becomes a, um, a way to sort of pull them back into the fold and figure out how to build build some kind of uh, compromise or some kind of coalition with their leadership as, as that goes forward. So I don't see that realistically happening in any meaningful way.
0: Hmm. Uh, Andrea, I wonder what you make of the idea of maybe the party not surviving intact as it is, but but splitting and, and yeah. factions go their own way.
2: Similar to Sarah, I think that in the past we've heard this before many times, um, but we always seem to end up Coalescing into two different parties once again. I think one group that we've seen sort of transition from uh, the Democrats to the Republicans in recent years is union members, not union leadership. Um, and I'll be interested to see where where the true, you know, blue collar factory workers go um, with Trump not being the leader of the Republican Party any longer. Mm. That is one group I'm very much keeping an eye on. Mm.
0: Uh Jeff Timmer, a former GOP strategist uh, here in Michigan who's been really outspoken against Donald Trump, uh, tweets he can – in response to some of the things that you guys have said, uh, he says he can confirm that uh, the party uh, that, uh, that used to exist, the party that, Andrea, you were talking about joining as a young person, he says it no longer – no longer exists. Uh, so another uh, Republican voice sort of in that camp. Uh, let's go to Mark in Redford. Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Stephen, good morning. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you, too.
1: Yeah, and good morning to your guests. Um, good morning. I've heard both sides of the aisle in the past. You know, the candidate is credible. But, um, you know, what bothered me most about the Trump administration, I think, was his discreditation of um, uh, Senator McCain. Mm-hmm. As was before mentioned, I'm a uh, Vietnam veteran, and yeah, that means a lot to me mm. and my cohorts that were in Vietnam and such. And so, I'm trying to get a sense of why he, he would say such a thing, and yeah, that didn't do no favors for the uh, Republican Party either. Mm
0: i I Mark, I really appreciate the call and i I really respect the point of view there. I think that was uh, something that a lot of veterans felt when the president said what he said uh, about about John McCain. Uh, we've only got about two minutes left, Andrea and Sarah, but but I'd love to get both of you to answer uh, this question. Who in Michigan politics best represents the Republican Party? Of the future, or if it's someone who you think is outside politics who should be in politics, uh, I'd love to hear that too. Uh, Andrea, I'll I'll start with you. Uh,
2: Peter Meyer, Um, I think he newly elected
0: congressman uh, in in district is that three, is that right? Yes. Yes. Yep,
2: it's the Amash seat. Um, I think Peter is going to be a great representative, um, not just for Western Michigan, but for all more moderate um, Republicans who maybe are more focused on the economic issues and less on the social conservative issues. I think he's somebody that, um, especially young people like myself, uh, calling myself young still, um, (laughs) really, really can gravitate to. Hmm.
0: You know, that's interesting. I was having a conversation about Peter Meyer yesterday and saying he was somebody I would like to have on the show. To talk about that, uh, that very subject. Uh, Sarah, uh, who in your mind represents uh, the best of the future of the GOP here in Michigan?
3: Yeah, I haven't had a chance to meet Peter, but I've heard great things about him and don't disagree with that uh, approach, Andrea. But I also think there's a lot of opportunity in someone like our new Speaker of the House, Jason Wentworth. Um, he has a military background. He didn't really come from politics long term. He's definitely more of a um, You know, conservative but pragmatic kind of leader, I believe, and he's going to have a chance to help lead the party, lead the state house in particular, through the next two years as we're going into another governor um, election in two years, and we're going through these transitions at the party. So, while he may not be from the same mold as a Peter Meyer, he's from a different mold than I think what we've seen over the last few years, and I'm really looking forward to see, you know, what his sensibilities can bring to the table and show, you know, show out there as a leader.
0: Okay. Sarah Hubbard and Andrea Brightley, really wonderful to have you here for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow for a look at the results in Georgia and what they mean on a national and local level. This is 1019 WDET, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.